A God first lifestyle. You want to know how important it is to God? He starts the entire book of the Bible with this idea. I want to show it to you. You've read it a million times if you've read the Bible, but maybe you've skipped over the first few words. Here it is, Genesis 1, 1. Look at it. It says, in the beginning, God. Boom. There's enough right there. Before there was ever a world, there was God. Theologically, we call it the preeminence of God, that he existed before all things, and he will exist after, all of, after everything is gone. God will still be God. In the beginning, now he's not talking about the beginning of his time, he's talking about the beginning of our time. In the beginning, God. Before there was ever the lights in the sky, there was God. Before there was ever the stars, there was God. When there was nothing but a mutter, a muddly ball in the atmosphere called earth, there was God. He was first. Now, if he was first before you came along, how much more so do you think he wants to be first in your world? I do. In the beginning, God. So here's the first point I want, want you to get today. The reason why this statement is there is because God wants you to know he must be first. Right. He must be first. You did not come before him, he came before you. Everything you experience originated with him. The Bible says that all things were created by him, but check this out, they weren't created by him for you. Right. The Bible says all things were created by him and for him. So you were created for God's pleasure. You were created for God's joy. You know what? In a world full of people that have horrible self-images, if we would really understand that God gets joy out of us, it might lift a few of our spirits. You were created for his good pleasure. So in your life, God must be First, And when he began to introduce himself to the people of Israel, these people that God chose out of all of humanity to have a special relationship with, for them to be the examples of the kind of relationship that he wants to have with all of his creation. God introduced himself to them at Mount Sinai. And here is one of the first things that God said to them. I've told you that the, the Ten Commandments are... They're, they're rules, if you will, or, or principles of a relationship, all right? They're principles of a relationship. And here's the first principle of this relationship, Exodus 20, one through three. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God. Why do you have to say this? Because they had lived in the land of Egypt that had many gods. They had seen the Egyptians worship many gods and many idols, and God brings them out of that pagan culture, and he says, no, I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other gods but me. Now listen, maybe some of you are blessed to be Jews, and I honor you if you are. Thank you for letting a Gentile come into the family. But you know what? It doesn't matter if we're Jew or Gentile. 
because the Bible says that we are all now heirs of Abraham's promise. We are all now God's people. And though I might have never been in slavery in Egypt or experienced slavery in my life, I have been a slave to sin. And just as God brought Israel out of their slavery in Egypt, God through Christ has brought me out of my slavery to sin into a relationship with him. And now he says to me, I am the one who did this. You didn't do this. Paul talks about that. It is by grace you are saved through faith. This is not a work of yourself so that no one can boast. None of us can say we're good enough. None of us can say we've done enough. It's he who has done it. Just like he did for Israel, he's done for you. And the same principle that he began his relationship with Israel, he begins with you and me. I am your God. You must have no other gods before me. Now, unlike Israel experienced, where they were in a land where gods had statues, we're in a more dangerous land because our gods are mental and spiritual. What you give your mind to the most is your God. What you worry about the most is a God. What you spend your time on, if you're not careful, can become a God. Listen, I am a humongous OU Sooner fan, but I have to be careful that it doesn't become a God. Now listen, I have a friend who uh, told me a story recently just to show me how much of an OU fan he was. He said, man, uh, the story goes like this. His wife had had a hysterectomy. And five days after the surgery, ladies, he said, let's go to the OU football game and made her walk up all them stairs. Now, maybe it's not a God, but woo, that's some commitment. But we've got to be careful that, that we don't make gods out of things, even the things that we enjoy. We need to make sure that all of them are submitted first to the Lordship of Christ. So let me give you one way that you can test yourself that we can test ourselves on if something is a God. Are you willing to give it up for him? If God called you to prayer and you have a game that, you want, that you're supposed to be in, which are you gonna choose? Oh, but I've made commitments to people. Are people more important than God? Jesus said, I must be more important to you than your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister. And we'll put people ahead of him. I was having lunch with a visiting minister a couple of weeks ago, and some, he did something that I've never experienced before. And at first, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Jim, I got a little bit offended until I realized I was being very religious. And we were sitting down, having a bite of lunch, and his alarm went off. And he stopped in the middle of our conversation and said, I'm sorry, John. I've got to go. I've got an appointment with God. I've got to go pray. And he got up and left. I was like, dude, I canceled another appointment to have lunch with you. And as I sat there kind of going through my emotions, I thought, I've got to give him kudos. Will you put him before others? That's what it means 
for him to be first. Why is this important? Because there is a principle woven all throughout the Bible, and this is the principle, that the first has the power to bless the rest. If you worship God first, he has the power to bless the rest of your day, the rest of your life, the rest of your week, the rest of your month. Whatever you take care of first has the power to bless the rest. You wanna get more done in a day? Huh? Two things you can do. Pray first. And then before you go to bed the night before, work out your calendar. Plan ahead. I've started going back to the gym. Uh, I had shoulder surgery in the fall and I'm able to lift again with no pain. And now I got to get back into the habit of writing my workouts out before 4.15 in the morning. Because if I wait till in the morning, I waste 15, 20 minutes at the gym trying to figure out what I'm going to do. But if I'll do it the night before, then I can get up and hit the ground running. Do you see what I'm getting at? If you want to improve your day, pray first in your mornings. And then secondly, plan your day out before you go to sleep. Think about it ahead of time. Because the first has the power to bless the rest. My calendar is important, but God is the only one that has the power to make the rest of my day go better. So put him first. The Bible says it this way. Jesus actually makes this statement in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these, say that word, things. Say it again. All these, all the stuff that you need will be given to you as well if you'll seek him first and seek his righteousness and trust that he's gonna take care of you, all right? So what's the principle of in the beginning, God? Here it is. We put God first by giving him the first of everything. We put God first by giving him the first of everything. Have you ever thought about the fact that you really don't own anything at all? Everything that you have and that I have is on loan from God. And our lease expires when we leave this planet. (laughs) The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything you have comes from him. That's why he's the good father. That's why Jesus said, those of you that are full of sin who can give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to you if you will ask? See, God is not, there's something I learned through my mom's death. Let me take a rabbit trail for a minute. I learned that God is not a slot machine. There are no levers with God that I can walk up in my prayer life and say, I want this and pull it and there it is. He's God. And no is just as valid, his no is as valid as his yes. We don't like that. We want God to be our yes man. But he's God. You pray. You offer, you lift your hands up, you offer your prayer, you pull the lever and then you trust whatever comes from the Father is what is right for you. Even though I prayed for a long time for my mom to be healed, we pulled that lever many a time. I might have gotten, not gotten what I wanted, but she got what she's always wanted. She got healed. David prayed for him. You know what? He got what he's always wanted. He got his healing. And now he's with the Father. 
just as many of you have experienced in your own life. But if we're not careful, we pull that lever and when we don't get what we want, then we get disappointed with God, don't we? And suddenly God isn't no, is no longer first in our life because we think we're not first in his. You know what? You're not. God's plan does not revolve around me. I'm a piece of his plan. I am not the center of his universe. I'm a piece of what he's trying to do in the earth, just like you are. So let's be happy to be a piece of what God is doing. Let's embrace our role in what God is doing and just be thankful that maybe you have been that, that wrench that is set in God's toolbox for 30 years, but now the right time has come and he's got his hand on your life and he's doing something through you that's making a difference in the plan. Be thankful. Maybe, maybe it, we should learn to just be happy to be a tool in his chest. I say that every once in a while. Some days I feel like pliers. <laughs> feel like I'm fighting and holding on with all my life. Some days I, I feel like a socket wrench, like ideas are coming and going, like the head's on a socket. Some days I just feel bored. So to me, that's a screwdriver. <laughs> but no matter what, I do. I've said it many a times. Lord, I just, I'm glad to be a tool in your chest. Use me if you need me today. I want to be available to you. All right? If we put God first, then we put him first in everything. Let me give you three ways that you can put God first. Number one. Oh, let me show you this scripture. Sorry, Proverbs 3, 9. Oh, this is great. Out of the message. Honor God with everything you own. Yeah. Give him the first and the best. This is important because it ties into an old, old story. Again, it's one of those Sunday school stories that, that we learned about when we were a kid. Um, it's one of those that as we get older and we think about, we kind of go, huh? Uh, it's, this, it's the story of Cain and Abel where, where, where they both brought offerings and gifts to God, if you know what I'm talking about. But if you read very carefully in your Bible, there's a key word that differentiates the, the gifts that these two men brought. It says that Cain was a farmer and he brought some of the fruits of the ground. But it said Abel was a shepherd and he brought the fat from the firstborn of his flock. And here's the reason why God accepted Cain's and God accepted Abel's. It's simple. Abel, we know, gave the best of the first while Cain just brought some that was left. God is the first and he deserves the first and the best, Amen. all right? Three areas that you can build into your life to have a God first lifestyle. First, give first. Give first. Deuteronomy 14.23 talks about this thing called tithing. And tithing, I want you to know, there's a big debate. It's been going on forever about whether tithing is part of the law or whether it's not. You read, I'm gonna be like Fox News. I'm gonna give you some information, you make your own decision, all right? But I want you to know tithing predates the law. It actually happened before the law was ever given, all right? The first mention of tithing in the Bible is way before the law, all right? And what, but what differentiates the first use of tithing versus what we know of as tithing is it was a free gift from Abraham to this guy called Melchizedek. And in Hebrews, it gives this idea that Melchizedek was probably Jesus. Okay, you can read it in Hebrews 11. But of his own volition, 
not forced by a law, not under compulsion, Abram gave a tenth of what he had. That's what the word tithe means. Then we get into the law where they, they establish rules for tithing and offerings, okay? There were three types of tithe that they were commanded to give. They each served a purpose, and there were at least three offerings that they were required to give as well. It was part of their religious worship. We are not under that. Hear me? Okay, I'm gonna try that again. We are not under that, okay? We are now under what Abraham was doing. We're under the free will giving. Because God gave freely to us, now we should give freely to him, all right? But I wanna show you a key passage for why tithing was instituted and what its purpose was. Look at this, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 23. This is from the Living Bible just because it, it does a great job of rendering the meaning down. I wanna show you this. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first, to put God in the first place in your life. That's why it was instituted. Because God knew the selfishness of the human heart. And so, remember I told you a couple of weeks ago, a law is there for the things we know we should do, but we don't want to do. So we got to make laws. All right? We should be generous people, but we tend to be self-centered first. Right? I do too. So this was instituted to show man the selfishness of their heart and to put God first. Now we're under a new covenant. And Jesus has come and has set us free from rules and laws like that. But he's not set us free from the principle of putting God first in everything in our life. All right? And so when we give, we should give now from a position of thanks in a position of gratitude. That was Abram's heart in the first giving, and that is our heart now. Let me show you what the new covenant says. Now, Paul gives a great synopsis of it in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Notice that? You must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Anybody ever been in a church service where pressure was applied? Am I the only one that's gonna be honest? That is wrong. That's wrong. That's why I started telling you, I'm gonna hit hit something, just wait, don't react. Let me finish. The heart of God is that we should give out of a generous heart. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now listen, that doesn't mean, woohoo, I get to give today. That is not what it's talking about. Now it would be fun if some of you would do that. I will get my phone out and video it. And when you come to me and talk to me about your problems, I'll pull it up and show you. Remember how happy you were? That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a joy in your heart knowing that God is my source and not me. I wanted to do an illustration, but I got it in my head too late. So would you let me describe it to you? And one of these days I'll do it and you'll see it live. All right? So imagine if I was to call, I don't know, I don't know, Brianna my friend Brianna, up to the stage, and I was to have, imagine that there's a, 
stand here with a, a big bowl in it, and I was to put a dollar and change in her hand and have her hold her hand over the bucket with her hand closed, and she's holding on to the last dollar she has. And then if I was to take a jar that had a bunch of quarters and start pouring it over her, onto her hand, as long as she's holding on to what she has, she can't grab what is coming next. And if we're not careful, that's how we live our life. We live our life with a scarce mentality that the money is ours, our income is ours. It is not. Everything is the Lord's. So listen, if God moves on your heart to give, to be generous, do it. And know that as you open, well, let me just show it to you. Luke 6, 38. Here's Jesus' words. Speaking to the Pharisees. Now, he is talking here about more than just the area that I'm pulling it out of. He's really painting a picture of everything. I could have really just focused on this one point today, but I thought it'd be too heavy. I had started there. I was going to call it forgive and receive. (laughs) Because to forgive means you give before it's needed. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those. In other words, I'm going to forgive you ahead of time before you ever wrong me because I want God to forgive me before I ever wrong him. Do you see what I'm saying? Forgive and receive. Now, Jesus mentions forgiveness, but then he makes this statement. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give, look at this, will determine the amount you get. Folks, that's the new covenant. The new covenant says, give as God moves on your heart to give. All right? So I want to encourage you with this. Here's the lines. I kind of did it out of order. It's all right. Go back, would you please, to the first slide. Go back right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Giving... First, give God consistently, give God the first of your monthly income by giving consistently to support the local church. Now, let me, def- let me tell you why I think it's important that we support the local church. You can give, I give to more than just New Life. I want you to know, okay? But I do give to New Life because when I wind up in the hospital, I want to know that someone's going to come visit me. <laughs> I want to know, the Bible calls this, calls what we are today. I've got a whole teaching on this we'll do someday. But in Malachi, for those of you that are familiar with all this stuff, it uses the word storehouse. That's what the church is. Okay, so when we give each week, we're giving into the storehouse. Now, now the Bible calls that in Malachi 3, he says, give to the storehouse that there might be food in my house. What do you do with food? You consume it, right? So you don't plant food. You consume it. So, how many of your electric bills have almost doubled in the last several months? Guess what? So is ours. So when you give, we use that to help keep the building clean for you, 
to help keep the property nice for you. We, we, we probably need to pay George a little something extra for all the mowing that he does around here, or some of you can get involved with us this spring. <laughs> um, but more importantly, when you hit hard times and you come and you say, hey, I need some help with an electric bill. Do you know what the priests get to do? We get to go to the storehouse and we get to help return what you've invested and help take care of each other. That's what they did in the New Testament church. It says they sold their land, their property, and they gave and took care of each other's needs. If you don't give, we can't do that. So I'm trying to, look, I, I texted him last night and I shared with him my notes and I was like, God's told me to do this. I'm going for it, dad. And of course it's going to be snowy and icy or whatever tomorrow. <sighs> Putting the big boy pants on. That's why I wore slacks. <laughs> I want to encourage you, give to your local church. Support this place, all right? And uh, God has blessed us. We've always had been a giving church. I just want to encourage you to make sure and put God first there. Why? Because giving first keeps our hearts and hands open to receive even more from God. All right? Giving first. Be a generous person. All right? Amen. Do you love me? Am I still okay? All right, here we go. Let's move on. Give first would be, is a great habit to have a God first lifestyle. Number two, Sabbath first. Sabbath first. Now, what is Sabbath? Well, that depends on who you ask. Everybody's got their opinions. For some people, Sabbath is a specific day. All right? So for some people... They, they, they have six days, and then that seventh day is Sabbath. We get that because in the, in the book of Genesis, God worked six days and rested on the seventh, so Sabbath. So there's the practical side of that. But there's a spiritual side of Sabbath I want to hit first. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to work for our relationship with the Father. Amen. Every day is the Sabbath in your relationship with God because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So every day, we need to learn to quit working so hard to please him and just know you please him. He loves you. And you need to learn to be at peace in your relationship with the Father. It's called being at rest. My dad has a great message. You ought to stop by and talk to him sometime on the Sabbath rest, that, that Jesus is the Lord. Every day is the Lord's day, not just today. Every day is the Sabbath, okay? So from a spiritual side, that is so true. But there is a practical purpose to Sabbath. Because again, just like God instituted tithing to get at our selfish heart, God had to instruct us in these first basic building blocks of the relationship about a Sabbath day's rest because he knew our addiction to work. Amen. Yeah. Do you know how many people I've talked to that if they are sitting at home for four hours with nothing to do, they're going crazy? Any of you like that? To just sit around all day drives you nuts. Yeah. Amen. Because we're made to work. Yeah. We're made to produce. But a Sabbath 
is a day of resting. And it's important because it's in the Sabbath that your strength is renewed. All right, let me show you a few scriptures. We'll start with Jesus. Uh, Oh, let's finish the line here. Give God the first of your week with consistent church attendance and rest. Why? I'm gonna show you why it's important that church attendance get back into your habit. All right, it's not a law, but there's a blessing to it, okay? Jesus said in Luke 4, 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, look where he went. He went to the synagogue as was his custom. So on the Sabbath day, Jesus went to church. So let's be like Jesus. Have a Sabbath and be regular in your church attendance, okay? Let me show you some reasons why. Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I know this is an old scripture (coughs) that Paul wrote to the church, uh, to the Hebrews, the, the Hebrew Christians, the Jewish Christians, but if, we got to be closer today than we were yesterday. Sure. I mean, when I think back, I used to hear my dad when I was growing up, and we'd go on vacations, and he would put on this music that was in three, four time. <laughs> do up, do, do up, up, you know, all this stuff. And I, we, my sister and I would sit back and go, what are you playing? Can we play some good music, please? And he was playing, oh, Elvis Presley and, and uh, oh, the... I don't know. Who is the guy with the really high voice? Anyway, I don't remember his name. Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Yeah, sad that I even remember that. (laughs) Anyway, he would play all this stuff, you know, and they'd be playing about going to Palisades Park and riding a roller coaster. And we're just like, what? You know? We say, come on, Dad. And he'd say, no, son. This was back when music was innocent. Well, I'm 50 years old, and I've listened to some of the music my kids listen to, and I tell them back in the 80s, music was innocent, man, compared to today. I'm just telling you. You know, we look back, and everything seems better in the past, you know. One of the reasons why we need to come together is because we encourage each other. And even as times are going to get more difficult, we're gonna need each other more and more. Amen. You know, sometimes things happen in your life out of chance and, and even sometimes that chance is prophetic. Can I tell you about a prophetic thing that happened to me in college? I was in a singing group in college and we would travel around and we were called, we were like truth wannabes. Truth was a group back in the 90s from back east. A lot of great Christian musicians came through that group and we loved truth and we'd move around on the stage just like truth and we would sing truth songs but, and we would do these duets and I got stuck with this skinny girl named Chandra. She had this hair though, man, just melt your heart. But she had a good voice too and they gave us this song when we could not stand each other. And the song was called, We Need Each Other. Boy, was that prophetic or what? (laughs) But the song was all about the church. 
that the church needs each other. That's why it is so important that we fight against what the enemy is trying to do within our culture to divide us and separate us and isolate us. We are designed to be together, to link up together. Is it a sacrifice? You bet it is. Is it worth it? You bet it is. But if you never get connected, you'll be alone in this world. And when troubles come, you'll have nobody to stand with you. And it won't be my fault. It'll be yours. Well, I'm preaching better than you're responding, but that's okay. <laughs> Let us not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And now we'll, we'll go to Jesus, you know. Then Jesus said to them in Matthew 2, 27 through 28, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people because people need rest and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Now, let me tell you what's going on right here, okay? Jesus and his disciples are walking, which you were allowed to do on the Sabbath. These religious people were so crazy. They had determined how far you could walk on a Sabbath. Yeah. Well, Jesus and his disciples were walking within the limits. And they're walking through this field. And there was some wheat. And a few of his disciples picked a few grains of wheat and was munching on them. And the religious leader saw him and came out screaming, they're breaking the law because they're harvesting. And Jesus was like, what are you talking about? Do you remember the time where David and his men were hungry and they went into the temple and ate the sacred bread that was devoted to God and the, the priests and they ate it because they were hungry? Then he makes this statement. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of of people and not people meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Amen. Do you know why the word Lord is so important there? Because do you know one of the responsibilities of a Lord is to take care of his people? And so while they're walking around, Jesus has happened. Maybe Jesus knew ahead of time. I, I have this image of Jesus that might offend you, and that's okay, you can get over it. Um, I know that Peter was like me. He was a hothead. Walked into a room, mouth first, brain last. Got himself in trouble all the time with the words out of his mouth. And I know that God designed Peter that way. Because later on in life, Peter wasn't going to need to think about standing for God and giving his life for Jesus. But I just wonder, Jesus being part human, you ever like scaring somebody? My son and my daughter-in-law, they, they used to do videos all the time where they'll be hiding around a corner and they'll wait for the other to walk out and they'll, boo, and then they'll video the person like screaming or whatever. Of course, Jonathan yells and Megan doesn't. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But at least they enjoy <laughs> scaring. I'm sorry. They, look, if they, I would scream louder than all of them. It doesn't matter. Um, I just kind of think maybe Jesus every once in a while took his staff and tripped Peter just to watch Peter kind of stumble and Jesus what are you doing I don't know but it was funny <laughs> I don't know maybe they were just walking and they were talking about something that was going on in their life with their family I don't know but I do believe that Jesus knew that Peter and them were hungry and he could have taken them on a road down by a brook where maybe they could have got a drink when they were thirsty 
But I do believe that Jesus, knowing they were hungry, made sure to take them through a field. Knowing when they're hungry, they'll be able to reach out and they'll be able to take care of their need. And I want you to know that's what it means to have Jesus as the Lord of your Sabbath. If you will rest from your labor and trust in him, he will take care of you even while you're resting. So Sabbath and gatherings keep us from walking through life tired and alone. So I'd encourage you, give first. Sabbath first. Well, here we go. Pray first. Pray first. The first one was about giving God the first of your month, your income. The second was about giving God the first of your week. Now I want to talk to you about your day. Give him the first part of your day by praying first. Give God the first of your day. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place and he prayed. We've read this scripture already in this series. Jesus prayed, we need to pray. Psalm 5.3, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. In the morning, first thing, I would encourage you to pray. Start, go back and look at some of the notes from the last couple of weeks. Start by worshiping him, giving thanks for who he is. Don't forget to give thanks for your breath. I know it may sound monotonous, but man, that's a miracle. You need to really realize that. Not everybody woke up today. You did. Thank God for your breath. He gave you his breath. The same breath he breathed into Adam, you're now breathing. He gave you his breath. Thank him for his breath. If you ain't got nothing else to be thankful for, just breathe. (laughs) Could be worse. Thank him for the day that he's given you. The fact that you're breathing means there's something he wants you to do. He wants to partner with you for something. Live with your eyes open so you can see what he's doing around you. That'll all begin if you'll pray first. I truly believe this as I wrap up today. If you'll do these three things, you can begin to build a God-first lifestyle. Do you know what a lifestyle is made up of, by the way? Consistent habits. If you don't like the way your life is going, you're gonna have to change your habits, all right? And if you've studied habits at all, it takes about 21 consistent days in a row to change a habit. But that's the only way to change your lifestyle. Three areas I would encourage you as we move out of this on in through February. Give first, determine to give first. I'm not going to tell you how much to give. Just give. But just know that what you give, God will give back to you. Live with your hand open, not closed, so you can receive what he wants to put into your hands today. Gather. Sabbath first. Make sure to set aside the first part of your week together, together, and then to rest. We were joking the other night. My wife had had, uh, her 21st birthday was on Friday. And uh, uh, 24th, sorry. (laughs) So anyway, she had her birthday on Friday and we were talking at at the dinner. And um, uh, when Megan came into our life, um, she made us all aware that that we sleep like dead people. And um, she was commenting about how that sometimes I'll call 
John on Sunday afternoons and he's just gone. Shandra's like, yeah, he crashes on Sundays. I do and I don't apologize for it. It's a day of rest. So rest, relax. Those who rest, their strength will be renewed like an eagle. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and they won't faint. Why? Because their strength is built when they rest. All right. Give first, Sabbath first, and then pray first. Start every day with prayer because prayer should be our first response, not our last resort.